Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome to our Triune Pod. It's great to be with you, Ben. How you doing, my man? Dude, I am doing well. And uh, you know what? I think we need to forget the banter, forget talking about the weather or whatever BS we talk about, and just get right into this collect because this collect is the best of all collects. Wow. High praise. High praise from you, Ben. All right, yeah. But I think you're right. Um, I know that despite the protestations of our loyal listeners who just love when we talk about that, which we do not really understand, we will jump right into the collect. It's the collect for the fifth Sunday in Lent. And Ben, I know you got a few things you want to say about it, but first let's begin by praying it. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, unruly sinner. Give me, give me what you got. Oh, well, friends, so in seminary, we had to memorize a collect. It could be any collect and say it before the class. I don't remember what class it was for, but I memorized this collect and like five other people did too. So if you think it's just Nick and me who love this collect, you'll be, you'd be mistaken. So, I mean, I have a very funny story about that, by the way, but I don't want to want to break your flow. So just <laughs> no, 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 do it, do it. Were you in that class? I don't remember that. Uh, well, so I have a very funny story about memorizing a collect. So um, there is this girl that I used to date that Ben, you know, pretty well. <laughs> and, uh, and, she may uh, be listening right now. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but she, uh, she, she definitely does not remember what I'm about to say. But there's this prayer and evening prayer. Lord Jesus, stay with us for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion on the way, kindle our hearts, whatever. And it was like one of my, the first prayers I really like grabbed hold of, you know, it's like 15 years ago. And when I first started using the prayer book. And I just, I didn't had it like formally memorized, but I just knew the cadence and the phrases really well. So as I was dating this girl and we were uh, going out to dinner, this is like such a Christian thing. Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. But anyway, so we were, she's like, hey Nick, do you want to like pray before dinner? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I just kind of like, not like that self-consciously, I just kind of like prayed that prayer, which is a like very poetic, concise, elegant prayer that you might use before a meal. But she thought I was just like doing it off like, like, spontaneously like she didn't know that it was a written prayer so she just thought I had dropped this amazing prayer <laughs> bomb on the dinner table and she was like wow Nick that was cool and I'm like I'm definitely gonna lie and just act like I'm not <laughs> that's awesome but anyway I'm really sorry I know you uh I know you had a no no that's great well I mean like two of our mentors two people who we really respect uh have this the same view many people do but Paul's all uh you know, Mockingbird Godfather, incredible guy, calls this collect one of the high points of Anglican theology. 
a masterpiece of pure, perfect prayed theology. And Peter Toon says, as it stands, this collect is as near a perfect specimen of a collect form of prayer as one could wish to see. And this collect, what is it really doing? In a nutshell, I mean, you can get kind of lost in it because it's so beautiful. Uh, but I think it really conjoins what we ought to do and what we want to do. It brings what we ought to do and what we want to do together. But I think a little uh, a little history of this collect is actually quite interesting. Uh, this collect used to be a prayer about church unity. And then for the 1662 prayer book, they changed the first line. So that first line, that amazing line, Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners, is not this like Reformation era, oh, let's like really dive into the fact that we're totally depraved or that we're totally dependent upon God. No, in fact, the, 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 the folks who added this first line to the colic, who changed the colic, they were reeling from the English Civil War, from these years of strife, turmoil, and violence. And this is just this honest prayer. Oh, Lord, we have had these unruly wills and affections for so long uh, in our country. Make us love what you command. Make us love one another. So I've always I found that to be particularly interesting. Um, yeah, you have any thoughts before I before I keep going? No, that is interesting. I mean, gosh, uh, I feel like we're we are not living in a um, a, uh, a a martial civil war, but we are in a, such a divided, uh, acrimonious time, and so unruly wills and affections. That that language definitely resonates today too. Is that right? Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. No, I mean, I guess I would say it resonates for all times. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fair enough, I mean, fair particularly. But just, yeah. Just. Um, I mean, yeah, I have my friends on the left and on the right. And when I'm with my friends on the left, I talk a certain way. And when I'm with my friends on the right, I talk a certain way. I become this kind of chameleon. And uh, yeah, you're like yeah. the little snowflake with your lefties. <laughs> and then you're like red pilled and MAGA with the righties. I love it. But it, yeah, it does seem to be this kind of, oh man, yeah, this kind of toxic environment. But just to get back more, more completely avoided what I said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I mean, what we're praying for here is to to love what God commands, to desire what God promises. And then I really love this line that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. And I think just in the past like 10 years of my life, what I've thought about my relationship to God, my, my, my theology, my, my politics, et cetera, just in this past 10 years, based on my context, based on whom I'm interacting with, it's changed so much. And I feel like this is kind of a, this prayer is a little bit of a critique against me uh, of in the midst of this time, and, and, and of all times, we pray that among all the, the changes of this world, for good or for bad, we pray that we would be kind of singularly fixated on loving what God commands, desiring his promise, because this is where true joys are to be found. So I, I kind of, as I read this right now, I feel a little bit like, oh, man, like, I, I, I should be a little bit more centered. And Lord, this really is my prayer, and, you know 
bring my unruly will and affection into order. Um, yeah. You got anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, I got a few thoughts. I mean, I, maybe, a, maybe a question like, do you, I, I feel like you, I feel like I see that to be true for you. Like you're kind of be, like in a way that is very true of me too, like in, in different ways, but like you're kind of beholden to fads, you know, like you'll get really into something for a minute and then like not be into it, you know, <laughs> like, and then you'll get back into it. You know, like we all do that. I do that with fitness stuff or like, I want to read these kinds of books or whatever. Um, but I, I would say, and this is purely just by the grace of God. I think this is how the grace of God works. Like, I think the, what I see in you, Ben, is definitely like, there is a consistency in your kind of recognition, not necessarily the practice, but the recognition of like, well, the first thing needs to be first. And like God's grace moving towards me in Christ is like ultimately what my life needs to be about. And I, you know, I, I would say that is true for you. So it's not that you're just consistently amazing Christian, but your hope has been surely fixed where true joys are to be found. And that is just purely a testimony to, you know, the love and grace of God. Well, thank you, Nick. Thanks. I'll take that. But yeah, I think kind of what I said at the beginning, I wanted to start with that so we can get lost in and the majesty of this prayer is, yeah, that bringing together of what we ought to do and what we want to do. We, this is a very Augustinian prayer. Nick, you kind of unpacked that a little bit last week, but, um, you know, St. Augustine really talks about uh, our affections uh, being brought, brought into order of, of, uh, of loving the good, of loving God. And uh, this, this colleague really talks about that. There's that language of affection, there's language of desire here. There's language of, of joy here. Um, and yes, that uh, not just doing all these things because we're supposed to or because I'm, I'm constrained. And, and I don't know, think about your life, Nick. I mean, so much of what I do and what I don't do is based on kind of what I said earlier, right? Like becoming a chameleon around certain kinds of people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of, of essentially being cast out i i i yeah i (laughs) i don't know do you resonate with that at all i oh i mean definitely so much of my life is about what i'm constrained i i've got to fall in line i don't want to lose my job i don't want to lose my status i don't want to get canceled (laughs) um and so this is like oh all right lord free me up to want to do the goods but i'm not it's not about constraint anymore it's about desire it's about doing what I want to do. Dude, the thought of you being canceled just brings such joy to my soul. <laughs> um, here, here's my question though. Um, I, Cause I think there is, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a number of times and this is kind of a hobby horse of mine to be honest, but there is in this prayer, a kind of tacit critique of like a model of spiritual formation that is you know, very popular right now, which is this notion of like habitus that you can kind of practice your way into the good. So if you want to be a brave person, just kind of take little steps towards bravery over and over again. And then like learning the violin, three years later, you'll end up being brave. And that's undeniably true if you want to learn how to hit a golf ball or do a kickflip. But that doesn't necessarily work in this in the realm that the colleague is talking about. You know, you can't practice your way into loving what God commands. You can't discipline your way into desiring what God promises. I think that is something that is that has, that's outside in, you know, that is like in the, uh, in the black church seized by the power of a great affection. So um, I guess my question is to you, like, how do you think that works? Like, 
I, you know, it doesn't always, it may not always be fruitful to kind of imagine, well, what does this, if this prayer were to be answered, what might it look like? I don't want to be, God's not constrained by our imagination, but it's an interesting yeah. way to kind of get at these prayers. Like, well, what would this really look like if yeah. I started to no, love what really God commands? I think there's, so Nick and I have kind of this mutual mentor in our lives, like not actually in our lives, but someone we read who talks about the Christian faith uh, like kind of almost equates it with romantic love. And I kind of roll my eyes. You're talking about, I'm talking about Paula White? <laughs> Not talking about Paula White. <laughs> uh, but yeah, someone under her care right now. Um, but yeah, he kind of equates the Christian life with romantic love. And I don't really like that because, you know, romantic love oftentimes doesn't have legs. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. And yet when you pray this prayer, it sounds a lot like that. And, and I, I always... I always err on the side of prayerful theology is the right theology. You can talk about all these things we want to do, et cetera, but what do you actually pray? And in this prayer, what do we say? God alone can make right what has gone wrong, can bring into order our unruly wills and affection. And we're praying for God to give us the grace to love what he commands, to desire what he promises. Uh, and that sounds a whole lot like falling in love. It's just, it happens to you. Uh, I don't know how, as you just said, I mean, maybe it's true that I can develop these habits and these habits can, can slowly change me. I'm not talking against that at all. But in my life, that's never really brought about loving what God commands, desiring what he, he promises. It's never conjoined the I ought to what I want. Uh, so maybe there's more to that, um, that you know, the Christian life is romantic love than I want to give it credence. Push back on that, Nick. Or no, I, I mean, I, the metaphor that I really like is, I mean, I'm not, I think that is a good metaphor. I mean, but the problem is like, it, we live in a very sentimentalized world and at least the tradition that I was raised in, like the kind of, uh, is this a worship song or a love song? is like a very real phenomenon. Like, you know, I want to smell the fragrance of your secret place kind of a thing. Like, so there is a way in which like, I just kind of in, instinctually recoil at that, but it has much more to do with me than it has to do with the idea itself. I think the analogy I really like for how this works, how God works in our life to transform our affections is the experience of a, a song getting stuck in your head. Um, and that comes from like Philip Carey. So when you imagine hearing the gospel over and over again. And when I say hear the gospel, I don't just mean like a presentation on the book of Romans. I Sometimes it is that, but it could just be a very uh, kind of imputation in relational life. You know, someone that you respect says something good about you that you don't feel is true, but they believe it, you know, um, or it could be, it could be a really great hymn or worship song or a Bible study. But the idea is some phrase or some collection of phrases that just really capture what God has done for us in Christ kind of resonate in your soul. And it just becomes something that you continually think about. And it exists and it exists in your soul in some metaphorical way, just like, you know, a song that gets stuck in your head, even if you're not hearing it, you know, like the song that's been stuck in my head and very bizarrely over the last few days is only want to be with you by Hootie and the Blowfish. You know that song? <laughs> that song is incredible. Awesome. Hootie is, Hootie is tight, dude. If there Hootie was like a Hootie tight. and the Blowfish, like summer concert in Austin, like I would give a right toe to be there. That would be awesome. Uh, and you know, but I, I can just, I can think of that song whenever I want and it brings a, I can hear it in my heart 
whenever I want. And it brings a joy to my soul. And I think when God is really transforming our affections, his, his absolving, justifying word, it's stuck in our heads and we can recall mm. it. And that, that recollection does have this restructuring power so that we really start to love the things that God commands. And when you get that, man, and I think that, frankly, I know this is, sounds self-involved, but you get that by being a part of a good church. Like that's how that totally. works. You know, you're part of a gospel believing, gospel proclaiming, gospel horizontally, you know, like community kind of church. And then you just get the gospel stuck in your head. And I think true joys are found because you start to love the things that God commands and yeah. desire what God wants. And that's, that's the best that it gets. Well, I think that two things, I think uh, one, this is the great time to announce that we are going to have an Our Triune Pod uh, playlist with all of the songs that we've mentioned slash are incredible with the colics, but two, and more seriously, um, I think that, yeah, for prayers like this, it's good theology, and it's also a promise. This is what life will look like in the kingdom come. We're going to love what God commands. We're going to desire or, or experience what he's promised, and that no changes of the world, swift or varied, uh, are going to mess with that. So our hearts will be fixed where true joys are to be found, and that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that's the great hope, and I hope to experience that in the here and now. And I definitely have had moments of inbreaking for that. Uh, but yes, Lord, uh, help us fall in love with you and what you command. So we're going to pray the prayer and let you go. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming, so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.